It is football and other F words. That is right. We are back. We have not been canceled yet, surprisingly, even though that Mike uh, was calling people gay on the Mike Herndon show. is Technically, is Willie gay, but that's okay. Um, Willie. Is Willie gay. What a great moment in time. That will be forever captured on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, you should be watching the Mike Herndon show. And you know the only way you can watch the Mike Herndon show is if you are a member of Broadway Insider. I was going to say Broadway Premium, but we rebranded since then. Uh, Broadway Insider. And you can do that if you use code INSIDER, 99 cents your first month. If you use code ANNUAL, it's $50. So use code ANNUAL. Go get your Broadway Insider. We got some great content out there. We got some YouTube videos. We got film breakdowns. Everything that you need is right there at broadwaysportsme.com. Especially with the World Cup going on, you got the guys Speedway Soccer doing some cool shit. You got the Hot Read Podcast. You got Music City Audible. You have Second and Victory. And, of course, football under the F-words. And we are partnered with 440 Sports. A football show is live 1 p.m. on Mondays and Thursdays. But this week will be live at 10 a.m. Because Brayden is going to the game at Lambeau Field and freezing his nuts off. Um, so it'll be 10 a.m. on Friday. We'll have instant reaction. To, and it'll basically be all Titans talk on Fridays. And it's pretty much was all Titans talk today. I mean, I looked over at the clock and it's 47 minutes of an hour show was just dedicated to Titans. Like, oh shit, we talked way too long. Uh, we are brought to you by Jaspers, the sports bar in Nashville. In fact, I know for a fact that one of our listeners went on Saturday, Mike, and he took a group and he said he had a lovely time. He actually said a fucking awesome time, which I, you know, <laughs> but you know, it's sponsored talk, you know, he loved it. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, they had a great time at the sports bar. It's where he decided to take his crew of guys that came in, some work colleagues came into town, and he said it was a great choice. He enjoyed it. Two-for-one beers on Sundays. Never forget that. They are If you are a member of the now eliminated from college football playoff contention, if you're alumni of the Clemson football team, and they will never make it to the college football playoffs this year, you could go still watch the rest of their two games because they're an official watch party for Clemson and, of course, all the Predators games and Titans games on Sunday. Mike, I, I kind of I want to get into Jeff Saturday. Yes. And I want to go ahead and get it out of the way because I have seen people of all different ilk, of all different backgrounds. Oh, f- first off, I say, hey, Mike's here too as well. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? Hey, I'm here. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Curtin NFL. <laughs> read all of his articles on podcarski.com every Wednesday. And I'm, of course, on Twitter at Efforts Bottom Zach Lines. Okay. Everybody basically this week took a big old fat dump on Jeff Saturday. I mean, pretty much everybody that's not in part of Indianapolis. I mean, you're talking about Bill Cower to Joe Thomas. I mean, just well respected people. Teddy Bruschi, well respected people took shits on him all week. He goes and beats the wor- worst head coach in the league currently, and I, I don't know if it's really up for debate because of the talent he has at his disposal. It's Josh McDaniels. The, it's, the it's league- either him or the other coach we'll talk about later. Yeah. Nathaniel. Uh, one, of the worst, one of the worst head coach. Everybody took a big old fat dump. And it, because he goes and beats a hapless, worthless Las Vegas Raiders team, barely, by the way. I mean, they barely won, and it was a, a slugfest. Now everybody's like, oh, well, now we got to make fun of the people, the other people that said it. Don't matter if I said it. We got to make fun of the other people. Here's a tweet I want to read to you. And I said, I I asked you if you'd saw the tweet. This is what sparked everything. From Chad Withrow, who's been on the podcast. I like Chad. Chad's a great guy. 
But his tweet says, NFL analysts acting like being a head coach in the NFL is the most difficult job in the world. Can GTFO get the fuck out? Thanks to Jeff Saturday for proving them wrong. What a wild overreaction. And then, of course, Dan Orlovsky's tweet where he put out all these, you know, adjectives and sarcastic font and all that kind of stuff. Give me a break. It is one game against one of the worst teams in the NFL, one of the most overrated teams in the NFL. And there's always the new coach bump. And sorry to say that your um, Mike's hot bet picks or whatever you call them on the Mike Herndon show were an utter failure. I'm glad I did not bet any of them. But uh, hey, yeah, got, they, I went two and three, two and three. Two and three. It wasn't bad. It wasn't but I week. told you on the show, you're not scared of the 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 first our new coach bump, and the new coach bump worked. It wasn't pretty, but it worked. And look, all this to say, it's still a bad hire in theory. Everything about his I mean, hire, one game does not change anything. It, and here's the deal, like. Jeff Saturday, I don't think had any sort of impact on this game. I, I mean, <laughs> he gave a, a good rah-rah speech, but like he had to learn the fucking playbook. It's not like he had some sort of great insight that, uh, you know, magically fixed the Colts. The guys, the coaches that were already on that staff, Gus Bradley, the offensive coaching staff, they're the ones that implemented this game plan. They're the ones that put all this together and made this work uh, for a week. And hey, guess what? It it wasn't the disaster I thought it might be just because I, I thought there might be more chaos in that building uh, just because like it sounded like the players weren't exactly thrilled uh, that Saturday had been hired and and there was a lot of and, and then the whole like random switch to Matt Ryan suddenly, which obviously that's a part of why they they won as well, you know, like. <laughs> Which, by the way, Jeff Saturday at his press conference, I think after the uh, the crazy one, said that Sam Ellinger was going to be the starter. And then all of a sudden, it's Matt Ryan. It's just chaos. Well, You're right. And, and it's is Jim Ursay. The the if I was Frank Reich, I'd be fucking livid right now because I'd be like, you made me bench Matt Ryan and put in this shitty Sam Ellinger. Then you fired me for it. <laughs> because I couldn't get an offense out of Sam Ellinger. And then you let Jeff Saturday come in and put in Matt Ryan again and let him go win a game and make me look like an idiot. Like that is the biggest thing that happened. But the difference between this week's Colts and the Colts of the last couple of weeks is they put in a quarterback. That's like competent. Like, look, Matt Ryan was awful early in the season and turned the ball over way too much and everything like that. He's still a better quarterback than, than Sam Ellinger. Uh, he could actually move the football like he could string together some passes and make some plays uh, in between fumbles. But it, it was it, it's nothing special that they did. And they played the best team that they possibly could have in the Raiders who have zero pass rush. They can't take advantage of that shitty Colts offensive line and the fact that Matt Ryan has greased up butterfingers. Um, they, this was maybe the only team they could have beaten this week. Like, I honestly think that that may have been the only team in the NFL that the Colts couldn't have beaten this week. And now we're seeing this huge parade for the, Col the Colts and Jeff Saturday. And I'm just waiting for someone this week to come out and say, well, you know, the Colts could get back in this AFC South race now. Like, it's a real possibility that they're going to win this fucking division. Get out of here. I, I know it's going to happen. I can't. Somebody send it to me when you hear it because you will hear somebody this week come out and say, Colts have a chance to win this AFC South with Jeff Saturday. Fuck off. Stupid. They're going to get smoked by most of the rest of the teams on their schedule. Well, right. I mean, like, it, they're still... Now, look, if Jeff Saturday goes and wins that and 
goes undefeated. And and then then we could talk about, well, it's not that hard to be a head coach because obviously it may not be. But it's one game and it's against the fucking Las Vegas Raiders. Like you, yeah. you like you said, you couldn't have picked a better team. And and that's why I was trying to get you to switch sides and, and say, you know, the new coach bump, it's the Las Vegas fucking Raiders because they're terrible. They are terrible. They I, gave, I gave the Raiders too much credit. Yeah, they're, they're the one of the best teams at pressuring the quarterback last year. This time last year is like the Tennessee Titans Raiders were going back and forth in total pressures on PFF. And now they're number 30. And they still have Max Crosby, and they're still essentially healthy. They're number 30 with 108. The Titans are number one with 214. We'll get into that in a second. This is not the parade that everybody thinks. It's like they just cannot wait for the Colts to be anything. Like, it's like, it's just as wild. I get Dan Orlovsky because he's a former Colts player, which I totally always forget about that he's a former Colts player. Yeah. But... Easy to forget. But why are you a guy like Dan Orlovsky who has played for like 13 different teams? Why are you like clinging so hard to the Colts when you could just be an objective analyst, right? Just yeah. use objectivity. But th- that, that Chad tweet, utterly ridiculous. I don't know if he's just doing it just to get clicks and all that kind of stuff. Cause you know, that happens, but you know, and coaches do put in a lot of hours. Like they work their ass <laughs> off. Like I guarantee you, Mike Brabel barely sees his family during the season. Like guarantee you that's true. Um, cause he's in there like doing ev- literally everything he can to give his team an edge and it works for Mike Vrabel. Uh, cause he's a good coach. He's good at it. Um, but they, yeah, they all, they work their, they work their ass off. Now, n- maybe not all of them do what, uh, what, what Joe Thomas said about, uh, was it, uh, Chudzinski or somebody like that, that he was neighbors with. And he was like, he saw his kids once a week, um, for like half an hour to get ice cream. And that was it. Um, and I was like, I, you know, maybe not everybody does it to that degree. I think Tony Dungy came out and, and said that that's not really the case for all coaches. Um, but it, they do put in crazy hours. They work really hard. It is a hard job, uh, because look, look at how competitive it is. And your, your whole livelihood is based on winning and losing, uh, you know, every week. So yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard damn job, but let's, if you are a pearl clutching titans fan and i know some of you out there are just because it, you know there's there's segments of all fan bases some fan bases you know or all, all fan bases are really made out of like the same stuff like there's some yeah. of them that are always overconfident there's that's some why of it's, them a, that, it's funny to me when like people are like we must have the dumbest fan base tennessee Titans must have the dumbest fan no no all no. fun bases fan bases are dumb <laughs> yeah and, and and i mean like however you fan it's totally up to you like i don't understand how some people like some people will literally, if I if I post a tweet that says like something like Mario Edwards has 22 pressures and, you know, it, just talking about how great he's been as a complimentary piece, people will come in under the tweet and be like, well, yeah, but they can't find anybody uh, to block. And I'm like, this isn't a tweet about blocking. This is a tweet about Mario Edwards. Can you enjoy one nice thing and let, not bring like negativity to it? I gotta, I gotta find the tweet, but okay. So I put put up the tweet about, um, I put up the tweet about, oh, what the fuck? Um, oh, the the amount of money spent on the t- Titans defense, and I said they're they're 18th, right? Okay, so they're they are 18th in spending on defense, and someone goes, this leads me to believe they're 18th spending on defense. The offensive salary cap money to result ratio is really really painful, but that. 
yeah, but we're talking about the defense, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, they spent the six most they're they're spending the six most on active. But that's not the point. The point of this tweet is the defense. And someone said, um, talking about something on this, and they said, Oh, uh, they that the Titans son because I put my Jeff Swain. I know you're pro Jeff Swain, uh, <laughs> but I put the fun fact about Jeff Swain out there. And someone put up um Bah, bah, bah. I wish I would have had this already up, but but you talking about this br- brings it up. Um, well, oh, where the fuck it, is it? I, I got. I've got to say too, my Jeff Swaim take is like, it's like oh, yeah, the, here, it's okay. the hardest take I have to defend, but I still feel <laughs> like it's right just because it's such a narrow road to walk. Because I'm like, he's not good, he's not a good player, but he's best at the job that they need him to do in that specific role on this team currently. So they I wish tell they had you. A better, I wish they had a better Jeff Swain, but they're always going to have a Jeff Swain, right? Like, yeah. they've got to have some blocking tight end because they want to run the ball all the time. Okay, so here's the tweet. This is from uh, his his uh, handle, Still I Rise, at DizzyDre481. And this is about the Jeff Swain tweet about him being, like, uh, out of 33 minimum pass blocking snaps, he's dead last pass blocking efficiency. Isn't he the reason we let Crookshank go? We valued blocking tight end over third safety who excelled at covering tight end. What? What? <laughs> no, he's not the reason they let Crookshank go. They let Crookshank go because he was hurt all the time. Uh, like, yeah, what but, a like but, where, where did he even come up with this? That Like, who is he listening to? Or what is he reading that said, oh, fuck, looking at Jeff Swift. Could have had Crookshank over Jeff Swain. Like nobody is thinking that. Like they're they're, yeah. they're not even related. Anyway. You absolutely could have fit both of those guys yeah. into the salary cap, believe it or not. Yeah, Crookshank's <laughs> doing really well over wherever he's at in Chicago, eating yeah. pizza probably. While hey, hey, Andrew hey, Adams is doing Andrew exactly Adam. what. Kirk, yeah, yeah, they like, they pull Andrew Adams out of nowhere, and he's all of a sudden like one of the better. I just thought like, what's that? To, I, who comes up with this stuff? And, and uh, let, let me say, let me get back to what I was going to say about the pearl clutching Titans fans, because it, it relates back to the Colts. Here's the Colts schedule for the rest of the season. And mind you, they're, they're two and a half games behind the Titans right now. So uh, any combination of six Titans wins or Colts losses uh, eliminates the Colts from being able to win the division. Here's the list of their, their remaining schedule. They, they host the Eagles this week. Then they uh, host the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably a win. But yeah. then they go to Dallas. Uh, they have their bye week. They go to the Vikings. Uh, then they have the Chargers at home. Then they go to the Giants. And then they host the Texans in, in week 18. Yeah, it's like two wins out of that. Yeah, they're winning maybe two or three games for the rest of the year. Maybe. So they, they're going to lose one, two, three, four. They're probably going to lose at least four, maybe five more games, uh, which means the Titans just have to win at least two games for the rest of the season. Uh, that's that's really what the Titans have to do to win this fucking division because you don't have to have a winning record to win the AFC South <laughs> as long as uh as long as you're the Titans. So I it's just it's it's crazy that people I think people are just trying to side with Jeff Saturday because he got shed on all week. Well yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of rightfully so though. Like to me does he really need the money? Like at this point, like everybody's like, well, how do you turn down this millions of dollars and blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, don't you have some self-respect and pride for this franchise? I'd, maybe, I, I, if he, I have if no he, issue with then him I'll taking my words. Yeah, I, I, I have no issue with him taking the job. Like if, if you're offered a really cool job and you think it would be great, take it. Like, I mean, it, it, 
it's not your job to make the owner be uh accountable and and a sane person like if you want a job and you think you can do it and you want to do it and try it great it may it's probably the only chance jeff saturday was ever going to have of being an nfl head coach like <laughs> like, I mean, come on, I mean, man, be honest, but I, I guess the difference for me is like, there's a difference between us taking a million dollar job and someone with already millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Unless he has I mean, a bad gambling be- uh, debt that we're not aware of. I mean, that's, that's entirely in play. Um, but he, I, I also just think maybe he just thought it would be cool and he wanted to try it and see if he was good at it. Um, All right. Let's let's talk the Tennessee Titans. I think okay, we, we should probably I mean, talk that was about 16 minutes of Colts talk. There's um, way too much talk for a team that's going fucking nowhere. Um, Mike, I kind of thought of something. I, I just recorded a football show on Monday, and of course, it's live wherever you get YouTube podcasts, all that kind of stuff. And on the way up, I was driving from pharmacy to here, and I was kind of thinking, shouldn't I like this team a lot more than I do? Yes, because I really hate the <laughs> offense, right? Like, I really, I just hate it. But this team is all about guts it's all about sticking together it's not about one single person it's about everybody as a team it's got a great head coach and i love their head coach this is everything i love about football and i was like you know what i should just really fucking like this team in fact this should be in all reality my favorite titans team that has been fielded because it's everything that i've wanted and i enjoy and respect about the game of football it may not be pretty like we talked about but it's literally everything that I personally like. And this is just for me. I'm not saying everybody should love this team. But I personally like about the game of football. And, and I just came to this realization that, yeah, this offense sucks. But really, yesterday, it's kind of piqued my interest a little bit more. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, 255 yards, blah, blah. But we'll get into offense defense. But I should be liking this team a lot more than I have this whole season, right? I, I think so, and I've I've been trying to I've been trying to bring you along a little bit because you got you got really I'm down. Still not Super Bowl bound, but I, I think know, I should I be know. enjoying what I'm watching. Here's here's the thing for me, because like look, <laughs> as as crazy as it is, the fucking Bills have the same record as the Titans right now. Yeah, like, right, it and is, they're zero two in their division. And they're zero two in their division. They're in a very much worse place than the Titans are currently in their current you know, form. And that's, that's crazy to say, given the pasting that they gave the Titans in Buffalo, but look, the the Titans are, they're tough. They're like, they're smart. They are, you know, physical, they're bullies. Like there's so much to love about. There's every, everything that you love about football. This team has it except for a passing game. And that is unfortunately what a lot of people love about the NFL. They just want to watch people chuck the ball down the field a million times. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes to make all these crazy plays and and do everything, you know, that he does. And you aren't going to get that watching a Tennessee Titans game. And, you know, like, I know Colin Cowherd put out a tweet that basically said, uh, I respect the Titans, but I also do not enjoy watching them. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. Like if your thing is you want to see teams go up and down the field and make plays in the passing game, uh, Titans game is not for you because the Titans aren't going to do it. And they're also not going to let the other team do it. So it's, uh, it's going to be ugly football but the Titans are going to win more often than not. And at the end of the day, that's what this is about. That's what and, we're and that's what Vrabel said in his post-game speech in the locker room to all the players was, 
we kind of are fucking shitty, but hey, we just fucking win. That's all that matters. Like, and they're they're not shitty. I'm oversimplifying it, but I I just came to this realization, and I'm driving, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't know why I just hate this team so much because I love everything about the defense. The defense is phenomenal, and they're doing it without starters every fucking week. I yeah. love Derrick Henry. I really enjoy Ryan Tannehill, and when he is when he's playing. And I even when Malik's playing, I enjoy watching Malik. Like there are players to root for. It's just that for whatever reason, I've just let this sense of I haven't appreciated what we have in front of us, I think, properly, because I think 2019 and 2020 spoiled me as as a fan of a guy that watches every game and has watched games before 2019 and watched games after 2019. I just feel like this the the first initial span of Ryan Tannehill has had me, got me spoiled with Arthur Smith. And I'm li- thinking about it, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, maybe even just last week, but I think two or three weeks ago, where we talked about Derrick Henry is kind of having to adjust what his game has been, but it still make, he's still very good. And mm-hmm. I feel like this team is having to adjust what they've been, and they're still very good. And I think of, okay, Josh Allen, 0-4 in overtime games. He's lost two in the division. I think he leads the league in interceptions. Maybe well. he leads the league in red zone interceptions. I think he's got uh the last he's got four red zone interceptions over the last two weeks. Four yeah. red zone interceptions. And I'm thinking, yeah, it'd be nice to have a Josh Allen, but you know, I kind of was approached the subject on in another group chat. And I want to throw this out there. What's more likely? Josh Allen is Dan Marino where he puts up all these stats and never wins a Super Bowl, or maybe Josh Allen is Peyton Manning and it takes him nine seasons to get to a Super Bowl and he has to face a shitty team to actually win it. You know, or you're like, which one is he? Because he's not Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, we could talk all day about Josh Allen being what he is in the regular season. That's great. But we say the same thing about Ryan Tannehill. It matters what you do in the postseason. It matters what you do. And it matters. Super Bowls matter. Postseason wins matter. And... Really, Josh Allen is having a, just as tough a time as Ryan Tannehill, but he gets all the flair. He has the flair on his on his uh, satchel. Yeah, he, he wears out. a lot of pieces of flair. Um, yeah. But he, I mean, it is it is. I mean, because people like to watch him play hero ball. Like that's what he's doing, right? Like he's running around out there. He makes these crazy plays. He does all this stuff. Um, and look, their offense is awesome to watch. Like it's a lot of fun to watch. But they, it's got to be driving Bills fans nuts that they're turning the ball over. They've got the most turnovers in the league. Uh, they are dead last. And they're and that the pass over. rushes dwindling. Quickly. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, it is, it's basically Vaughn Miller uh, and everyone else just kind of seems to have fallen off after a hot start now. So I mean, it is. And look, the Bills are banged up. Like they, they've suffered a lot of injuries and stuff like that. And, and no, no Titans fan wants to hear any other team compare, complain about injuries, obviously. But um, the Bills aren't this like unstoppable juggernaut. And that is kind of the interesting thing to me about the Titans. Still, is look when it comes down to it at the end of the year, somebody's going to have to knock this Titans team out of the playoffs. And yes, look, they haven't had a ton of playoff success the last couple of years. But this is the best defense that they've had by far. Like, this defense is definitely better than last year's group, uh, especially when they have all their guys out there. But even without all their guys, they're still just tough as shit to deal with. Um, And this defense is going to make life miserable for somebody in the playoffs, and it'll just depend on whether the Titans' offense can put up enough points 
to to carry some games in there. But I, this team could win. Like it wouldn't totally shock me if this team won a couple playoff games at this point, just because one, the rest of the teams in the AFC just don't look that unstoppable. Like I mean, the Bills definitely aren't what you know they they were made out to be at the first of the season at this point. Uh, the Chiefs are really good, but we just saw this team with a backup quarterback go into KC and nearly knock them off. Like, and look, I, I put out a tweet saying that look, they would have won that game with Tannehill at quarterback, and I'm 100% convinced of that. And it's not of a slight at Malik. Yeah, because the really like, they would have won the game if like those receivers catch the ball too, right? Like, it, you're totally not saying true. that the reason they lost is because Malik. You're just saying that it's like a secured 100% win. If Ryan Tannehill yeah. plays. Yeah, they probably should have won with Malik, but they definitely win with Tannehill because look, Tannehill and that get we can kind of start talking about like this game off of that. Like Tannehill breathed immediate life into this passing game. Like and look, he's had some games where he was in and the passing game didn't do enough uh in this season already, and that's a hundred percent fair. But they definitely moved the ball better with him at quarterback, even with him, you know, being a little bit gimpy, although he he looked better physically in this game than I expected him to like even like taking off and running that one time. Uh, and, and just, he didn't look to be favoring that leg as much as I thought he might. But I mean, th- this passing offense that they showed against the Broncos, if they can duplicate that and replicate that over the back half of the season, this team becomes very, very scary because they, that was the only thing lacking. They can run the football. We know that they can play. They're the best run defense in the NFL. We know that uh, they're really good at getting after the passer and, and creating turnovers. We know that the one question, I hell, even special teams have been good. Special teams were good again in this game. Uh, the only question mark is obviously Bullock uh, with that injury and whatnot, but it is a really good team. The only question mark was, can they pass the ball enough to, to put up points when they need to? In this game, they did that. So against, I, th- a, against a playoff pass defense, like a the, playoff the, quality pass defense. By DVOA, the best pass defense in the NFL coming into this game. I mean, that, that defense is no joke. And yes, they were without Justin Simmons and then, you know, no Bradley Chubb and uh, uh, Baron Browning helped the tackles uh, for the Titans not be uh, exposed as, you know, they normally are. Um, But nonetheless, this is a very good Broncos defense. They still had Kareem Jackson out there. They still had Patrick Sertan out there. They still had Kwan Williams, who's one of the best slot corners in the NFL out there. Uh, They still had some really good players on that field in, in pass defense. And the Titans moved the ball really well through the air in this game, especially like basically that, that two minute drive on, they moved the ball through the air almost at will. Like the only times they ended up getting stopped were dumb drops that were self-inflicted uh, and then the stupid turnover. <laughs> and then when they got a little too run heavy uh, just because nothing was working in the run game in this one. So it was an odd game, but it's a game that gives me like real hope for this team turning into something that they haven't been so far. We, right. Cause all we've said is like your pass office just has to be like, 28th or 29th best you know like that's how low the bar is you just can't be last and 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 technically they've only been last in yards but you got to be an average pass offense and you know what worked and what why this to me has got me thinking different things and thoughts and feelings is because the run game didn't work you know that's what we've always heard about ryan Tannehill. well if the run game doesn't work the pass game folds it folds and ryan Tannehill's only good as derrick henry is and maybe that's true a lot of games, but this time 
against this past defense with Robert Woods, who has looked like a poo-poo. And then we have uh, Jeff Swaim out here not catching passes and Gippy Ryan Tannehill, Traylon Burks coming back from injury. Dennis Daly still exists. They threw for 255 yards, two touchdowns, and no turnovers for Ryan Tannehill. This was the game that you can point to when people, when haters want to say, well, he's only good as Derrick Henry. Here you go. Add it to the list because this reminds me of the Tampa Bay game. It reminds me of the LA Chargers game. Here you go. Add it to the list because he threw for over 30. I think he had over 30-something dropbacks. He had no turnovers. This was the game that showed that Ryan Daniel at 70, 60% gives you the best chance to win and take advantage of this team to help the defense out. Look, it, it took forever for the offense to start clicking. I didn't think it was ever going to come, but it did. And all he needed was time. He needed to take a few hits. He needed to be in the pocket a little bit more. He needed to get his groove back. He's been out for two, two games. Look, Malik has played more than the last two weeks, and he was still cold coming off the bench and caused and and caused a uh, a turnover. This is what you needed. Look, now you add Derrick Henry and get the run game going. If you get this passing offense of 255 yards and no turnovers, and you get Derrick Henry going at the same time, now you're cooking with gas, like they like to say. You're you're taking a trip to Flavortown with Guy Fieri. <laughs> this is that's that's all we've asked for, right? Like, that's all this whole season we've asked for. We got it. Now let's see it duplicated. Like I said, even if it's Ryan Tannehill for 225 yards, and but he has a higher completion percentage. We got to get both things going. But this was a really good encouraging sign off this win for the yeah, offense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I thought Tannehill, you looked at, you know, I, I felt like early he maybe was uh, almost pressing to get the ball out quickly just because I, I think he knew he did not need to take a hit on that ankle, especially early in that game. Uh, you know, as he was trying to kind of get his legs under him and, and, you know, didn't want to get knocked out immediately. Um, so I, I felt like he was almost rushing things a little bit and, and that led to a couple off target throws and, and things like that. But as, as he settled into the game, he got better and better. And, and then you saw the value, like, and here's the thing for all the people that like want Willis in the game and, Look, you and I have been consistent on this, that we both like Malik Willis and think he can turn into a good quarterback at the NFL level. But the touchdown pass to Nick Westbrook Akine, the first one, is the reason that Ryan Tannehill has to be in the game for this team to have any any sort of chance this year. Because it's not just the throw that he made, which was inch perfect, absolute dime on the money. But he picked up. He saw the blitz coming. He saw the, the the Broncos were bringing a zero blitz on this play, meaning they're they're playing man up across the board, uh, and they were bringing everybody else. So they had four four guys going out in routes. They had seven guys seven guys blitzing in that play. He saw that coming. He brought Austin Hooper uh, over closer to the formation to, to block for him. He changed the protection uh, before the snap giving himself enough time to get that pass off. So he changes the protection, gets himself, buys himself enough time, and then makes a perfect pass for the touchdown against pretty good coverage. Um, and obviously Nick Westbrook-Akina does a great job making the catch and getting the toes down and all that. But Tannehill, 
getting them into the right plays, getting them into the right protections, understanding what the defense is trying to do to him is a really, really important part of what he does for this team beyond just being able to throw the ball accurately and, and you know, all the physical things that he does. Well, I mean, the look mental at the, stuff is crucial. Well, look at what he does when, even if there's like two or three guys on his people, he's making a decisive decision. That's where the ball is yes. going. And he gets it in there. And they were, he had three drops yesterday. At three least, drops, at, at least, least. Yeah. And a lot of them were in coverage, and a lot of them he took hits on too. Like that's the other thing that he does really well. And we talk about his toughness anyway. Is that he'll stay in the pocket and make the throw, and yeah. that's super important a lot of times. And maybe it doesn't always go the way that you want it to, but that that kind of stuff in between from when the ball leaves his hand to where it gets to the receiver is so important that you're that you're talking about the stuff even pre snap. It's stuff that he does. Malik should be able to get to that point if if he if he's coached up and brought up right and correctly and everything. But right now you have a guy that does that. Let the guy that can do it that we've seen do it do it. It's not always sexy, it's not always lighting up the box score, but it works. And you don't win that game without Ryan Tannehill. I'm I'm oh, I am 100%, 100% convinced you don't win that game with with Malik Willis. And and I'd also say that like that's why and a lot of times I've been made fun of for this take before because uh you know, it's it sounds counterintuitive, but of all the people for Malik Willis to learn from, Ryan Tannehill is one of the best, uh, the best guys for him to learn from because the things that Malik Willis needs to get better at, um, the pre-snap uh, analysis of the defense, understanding what the defense is in, getting them into the right play, uh, throwing with timing and being decisive with your reads. Uh, and then, and then having the pocket toughness to hang in there and make the throw, even though you've got pressure bearing down on you, those are exactly the things that Malik Willis needs to get better at. And Ryan Tano is really good at all that stuff. So if he picks up on those things, that's going to be great for him. If he can add what Ryan Tannehill does to his tool bag with his physical skill set, he could be incredible. And that's what, that's why I think him learning from Tannehill is great for the Titans and, and he needs to continue to study Tannehill. Watch what he does because he does a lot of really good things, even if he's not the most exciting quarterback to watch. And he's not, uh, he's certainly not the best quarterback either. Like, like don't get me wrong. He's a above average NFL starting quarterback. Um, he's consistently been that since he's been here. He's not elite um, and he'll, he'll never be elite and that's fine. He is what he is, but he gives them a chance to win every week when he's in the game. Uh, because of what they've got around him and because of what he's able to do for them uh, from a, a processing standpoint, from a mental standpoint. And look, you saw also in this game, the other thing that kind of excited me was the the weapons. You know, Austin Hooper is continuing to make plays after, you know, that, that Colts game seemed to get him untracked. You know, like that that got him going a little bit. Um, and he met, he had a couple huge plays in this game. And then Chig has a huge play in this game. Obviously, he needs more um, we keep asking for more Chig. Please give us more Chig. Uh, Burks had a few plays in that game. Uh, you know, it's hey, good but to they're trying, Mike. Back. They're trying to do it. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got to find a way. <laughs> they ha have to prioritize getting Burks and Chig the ball more often. Like it just has to be a part of every game plan because those are your two most dynamic guys with the ball in their hands outside of Derrick Henry. Like it is Henry, Burks, and Chig in some order. They've got to be game plan touches every single week. Like that has to be a part 
of what they're doing offensively. And you and and I, I for those that are not watching on YouTube, I rolled my eyes when I said they're trying because that's what Mike yes. Vrabel says. They're well, you know, we'd love to get them more. You control that. <laughs> like that's you right, control yeah. the plays and the personnel. You and your offense coordinator do that. And listen, I'm not going to get in this Todd Downing. You know, you know me. Hashtag fire Todd Downing. <laughs> Uh, I know that you want to get promoted and head coach of the Tennessee Titans, but <laughs> the uh, I I do want to say this: What is with these conspiracy theories that Todd Downing's not calling the plays, and why didn't Vrabel give a definitive answer? Because I don't feel like his answer day was uh, Monday was very definitive. It's like, yeah, he calls the plays. He, well, he's the one communicating the plays to right there. Listen. I, I hope that Todd Downey's calling all the plays because if he's not and someone else is, specifically Tim Kelly, these guys are in a world of hurt when they fired Todd Downey. So, but what is where did this conspiracy theory come from yesterday that now Ryan Tannehill's calling all the plays on the two minute drive and then? Well, I mean the two minute drive maybe because they, when they're in hurry up, you know sometimes they just let the quarterback go and and do his own thing, which it's it's certainly possible that Tannehill yeah. was calling some of the plays in that that hurry up period there. But I will say that I do think some of the play calling stuff is probably a little bit more collaborative uh, than we often give it credit for, just because you know one guy like he he is the offensive coordinator, he is the play caller. Um, but there's zero doubt that it is a, an ongoing conversation on those headphones throughout drives about, you know, Vrabel being on there. Uh, I'm sure you've got Tim Kelly and the position coaches relaying information. You know, if they see something, uh, you know, hey, we, we should probably look at this or, hey, you know, this guy doesn't look right or, or hey, I think we, we have a matchup we like here. Uh, you know, we should look at something, something, you know, to attack this. Um, I think it's more of a dialogue than what people maybe realize. Like it's not just, you know, Todd Downing sitting there with a play sheet in his own head, like, you know, just, just simply calling rattling off plays every uh, 40 seconds. But uh, I mean, he is ultimately in charge. Like that, that is what it comes down to. And like this whole conspiracy theory of, you know, at first it was, Tim Kelly's calling uh, the this. He's doing the scripts, yeah. And then it was, you know, oh well, no, no. Tim Kelly's only doing the good. He's only doing the touchdown drives. <laughs> um, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy talk. Like, it's a collaborative thing. Like, I know that is is the way that most like NFL offenses work. That it is collaborative. There are multiple voices, but ultimately, Todd Downing is the decision maker on on who what call gets called into Tannehill. Um, but. Yeah, I, I definitely think there's other guys with input. Yeah, you know? yeah. I just, I just think it's funny that that as the new, the new thing this week. Every uh, game, it's like some new wrinkle in the Todd Downing conspiracy theory. Like, just fire Todd Downing. That's all you got to do. Um, it, it really is like the QAnon of uh, yeah. Titans Twitter. Is is who's calling plays? I don't want to hear him com compared to Shane Bowen anymore. Like this whole Shane uh, Bowen situation. Yeah. I, I think we're past that. Like, I let, think let's, we are too. yeah. I think He's we all know good. Todd Downing's not good, and whether Tim Kelly's good or not, we're, we're we really don't know. Yeah. But I do know this. If Todd Downing's fired, Tim Kelly's probably getting the job. I definitely don't want Nathaniel Hackett, which is a name that's all flowed out there. I definitely don't want Nathaniel Hackett because there's no Aaron Rodgers coming to this team. And I don't think you'd want Aaron Rodgers coming to this team. But let's, <laughs> while we're talking to Shane Bowen, talking about Shane Bowen, not to Shane Bowen, Mike, I, I, I'm running out of words or adjectives to describe this defense and the defensive performance that we see each and every week. And I think now the only adjective I have when discussing this defense is worried. 
And I'm worried that Shane Bowen's going to get a head coaching job. And not to say that nobody else can come in and coach this defense as good as Shane Bowen has, or it's all Shane Bowen. But I just really just want to, kind of like when Arthur Smith was was offensive coordinator, I just really want to keep our really good uh, coordinators. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's zero doubt Bowen has done a fantastic job. He he deserves, frankly, to be on head coaching lists. Um, and look, it's not it's not just that like he has these magic play calls, and you know, it, it's that he's some sort of wizard or anything. But I at some point, this is why people want to hire from the Vrabel tree is that he has been around this culture, around the organization that the Titans have built and seen like what it takes to be able to overcome some of the challenges that they have like all these injuries on defense they've overcome them overcome them overcome them they had eight starters at some points out yesterday in that game they, they were down to roger mccreary kevin byard and Danico autry is the only first choice players you would have had at the start of the season in the lineup and they were just destroying the broncos over and over and over again um it's incredible what they do but the fact of the matter is that like people want a part of what the Titans have built here. And that's part of why like Arthur Smith is a good play caller. He's a good play designer. I I think that's obvious. Um, even, even if, you know, the Atlanta stuff is up and down and, and whatnot, but I think we all know why that is. Remember when people uh, earlier this year were like, Oh, wish we would have kept Dean Pease. Look at Rashawn Evans. He's comeback player of the year over there because he's with a, he's with Dean, P- Dean Pease. And they're terrible. They're terrible. They do, they're generating no pressure. Like, Listen, spare Dylan, me. I do not miss Dean Pease at all. Dylan Cole is a better inside linebacker than Rashawn Evans. Like, point blank, hey, Dylan 100%. Cole right now is better than Zach Cunningham, and he can't convince me otherwise. He is. He is. He's been better than Zach Cunningham this year. He's been really, really good. Um, and, and, you know, Monty Rice I thought was good in this game as well, and he got a lot of playing time with Cunningham out. So, look, they just roll guys in there and, and keep producing. But yeah, at some point, Bowen is probably going to get a head coaching job, not only because his defenses have been great, but also because he knows what this Titans culture is. And somebody, some owner is going to be like, hey, can you bring that culture here? And, uh, you know, whether he can or not, we'll see. But that is what people are going to come for is the culture building, the ability to, to get a team pulling in the same direction. And, you know, obviously can't replicate Vrabel um but bowen's been around Vrabel as long as anybody and and he'll have as good a chance as anyone to be a Vrabel 2.0 you gotta hope that he has the worst personality in interviews like that that's really where you're at because someone's gonna take a a shot on him because look at robert soleil who yeah rocky start his first year but now the jets are you know all four teams in AFC East are apparently in the playoffs, which is if at the end of the day, which is wild. Um, yeah. Uh, and he's got a shitty ass quarterback in Zach Wilson. I mean, you got to think that someone is going to give Shane Bowen. I, I at least will say he may not get hired this, this uh, coaching cycle, but he will get interviews. I, oh, I definitely think he, he will. He should have got interviews really last year, to be honest with you. I was kind of surprised he didn't at least get one. Yeah. But yeah. You know, he's he might have so been too good. soon. You know, people think yeah. it's a fluke or whatever, but I he should he should get some interviews. Maybe uh, do you think the uh he does the soup season beard? Yeah, you know? uh, do you think the soup season beard helps him or hurts him in an interview? Ooh, probably hurts him, I would think, because yeah. you know, you you want to when you look at the man across from you, you want to see you know the face. You got you gotta judge a man by by his features and stuff like that. And, you so know, we, it's very, very sneaky. You know who has big beards? 
like that Osama bin Laden did. So, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, just throwing that out there and not saying, not saying that Shane Bowen is a, is a terrorist or anything, but if we need to get that rumor started that he's a member of Al Qaeda, whatever just, keeps okay him here. Yeah, whatever gets them here. And I do, I do think like, like just like on offense, I think if the Titans did lose Bowen, like it's automatically unless Jim Schwartz just doesn't want to do it, it'd be Jim Schwartz that takes over yeah. as defensive coordinator. And I think they'd be fine. Um, but I, yeah, you don't want to. You never want to find out. Like we all thought they they, they would be okay uh, losing Arthur Smith, that they would be able to promote promote somebody and and be fine. And that, I think they just promoted the wrong person, in my opinion. But you know, maybe so. Maybe so. I would. I'm still. I was still Team Keith Carter. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Um, but this defense. I mean, talk about the players. We talked about the coaches, but let's talk about the players, like we always do, I guess. But Danico Autry, ten pressures. Rashad Jesus Weaver, Christ. eight pressures. Yeah. Um, you know, people are starting to get that Danico Altry uh, all pro buzz that we've started. Obviously, Pro Bowl buzz is going to be kicking up here soon. But you know, you you I think you talked about it in a, in a reply to Blake Tucker in one of your tweets um, that you think it's either down to either Bud Dupree or Danico Autry. To me, it's I mean, if I'm having to choose, it's but it's kick Bud Dupree to the curb for Danico Autry. Because it doesn't look like Danico Autry. It's kind of like Calais Campbell. Isn't like Calais Campbell like 40 years old and still still making it difficult for uh opposing quarterbacks? Like I Danico Autry is just he's just so good. And and I think that you easily extend Danico Autry after this season if you're the Tennessee Titans and let Bud Dupree walk if you feel that feel that it's it's an either or situation from John Robinson's perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I only think it's either or just because I, I I struggle to see a scenario right where they're paying Bud Dupree, you know, $16 million a year. They're paying Harold Landry $16 million a year, and they're playing Danico Autry $10 million a year. Uh, and by the way, you're about to play, pay Jeff Simmons, you know, $25, $30 million a year. Um, it, it's hard to, for me to see them paying all those guys at the same time much longer. So it's not going to stick around like this. Uh, and, and look, Weaver's come on. Weaver's a good player now. Like he can be a part of this uh, rotation. You can't play like all those guys at the same time anyway. So while depth is great, you're not going to, the Titans are going to need to save some cap space somewhere to fix the offensive line, you know, do whatever on offense, you know, everything that they need to uh, kind of backfill. But that money's probably coming from one of those two guys. And the only argument, the only argument I would offer for Dupree over Autry is when they're both healthy, I think Dupree is slightly more impactful uh, to the game overall than Autry is. Now, Autry's great. I'm not do- taking a slide at Autry, but that's how good I think Bud Dupree is when he's healthy. Now, he's also three years younger than Autry. So while Dupree's hurt not right according now, to his bones. Well, <laughs> right, like right now, Dupree is hurt and Autry isn't. So, you know, that Walker Jim Haslam got for his birthday a couple of years ago. It, it's hard to make like longevity, uh, you know, a part of it. But Autry, you know, will he stay healthy again next year? You know, this year's one thing, next year's another thing. Um, and Dupree, if his hip issue, you know, because that's the thing with Dupree, like, it's not like he's been in and out of the lineup with like multiple injuries this year. It's just been one injury that that's been like reaggravated, and obviously he keeps trying to come back and play through it and whatnot. But it's a hip injury is tough to play through, especially at that position. But um, yeah, it, that's the only argument. I I would agree with you. I think if I had to choose today, I'm cutting Dupree. 
um, and rolling with Autry. But it's, and I think uh, that's what John Robinson would do. Like, I, I, I think that Danico Autry is – it's just clear that yeah. it doesn't matter who's on the field with him. He's he makes gonna be getting number. after it. And yeah. and he he's he's going off. He's he's just it's it's phenomenal that we're talking about a guy with 10 pressures and they got 77 over the last two games. Now listen, PFF, they they bump it up to the half to one. But right. they, they, they they it's in it's a team sport, right? So like the team is just it's just phenomenal. This defense, I I I am confused in how it all works. I know it's because of Mike Frabel. I know it's because of the culture, but I am so confused why they can find these scrubs, these Mario Edwards, Demarcus Walker, Andrew Adams, and they bring keep bringing back Josh Kalou, who somehow has turned into a really fucking good player these last. He's two been weeks. good. He's been good the last two weeks. Yeah, Terrence Mitchell. I mean, the list goes on and on. Even last year, you had Greg Maben shut down Tyreek Hill in Kansas City last year. I mean, people forget about that, but. Why can't they do it on offense? Like it's just, it's wild to me that they struggle so mightily on offense, but they're like defense is great. And I kind of think that it's because it's Mike Vrabel's specialty. I think that defensive players really resonate and attach to him. I think it's Shane Bowen and Jim Schwartz. I just think the offensive staff where it matters may be a little lacking in that regard. Yeah, I think it I think it comes down to I think it's got to come down to coaching at the end of the day, right? Like that's right. the only thing that makes sense is that they are really good, really well coached on the defensive side of the ball. Because, yeah, like you're right, like DeMarcus uh, Walker and, and uh, Mario Edwards are playing out of their mind for this team Ridiculous. right now. I mean, like those guys, like you're like, wh- why aren't they starting somewhere? Like these guys are <laughs> awesome. Um, I mean, I think DeMarcus Walker is up to three and a half sacks. He's one away from his career high. Uh, Mario Edwards has had his revenge game yesterday. Yeah, had his he should have had another sack, but it got uh called back due to a a penalty, a terrible penalty call, by the way, on Roger McCreary, um, which was ridiculous. But, anyways, uh, yeah, so he should already have tied his career high. Um, and Mario Edwards is like already up to 22 pressures. (laughs) He's got, as I posted this morning, the Jaguars took Javon Walker number one overall. Um, he has 24 pressures in 10 games. Mario Edwards Jr., who the Titans signed off the Jags practice squad on September 26th, has 22 pressures in six games. So he's averaging like almost twice as many pressures per game as the number one overall pick, uh, despite being in Jacksonville on the practice squad just a few weeks ago. Um, it's insane what they're doing. It's amazing. Terrell Williams, uh, Ryan Crow, the outside linebackers coach. Um, you know, even, uh, the inside linebackers coach who they just brought over, uh, Bobby King, um, tremendous job with these inside linebackers. Like David Long's playing his best football. Uh, you know, Dylan Cole is playing out of his mind right now. Like he's, he's so great. good. And ever he's, since, he's, ever since I called him out in the, uh, in the, the giants game, apparently I just got to call you out for your do wells, unless you're Caleb Farley, unfortunately for him. And that's <laughs> not, you know, I'm not trying to do a drive by Caleb Farley by because I hate for him that he's injured. Yeah. But apparently if I like Craig Ackerman called him out, I called out Dylan Cole and look at him. They're just playing awesomely. Do you please uh, call out Traylon Burks this week? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll try to, but uh, it's uh, yeah. Dylan Cole has been phenomenal. Bonnie Rice looks good. And then the secondary coaches, um, what is it? Anthony, Anthony Midget. Midget. Um, You know, those guys, all those defensive position coaches, I feel like they all deserve 
recognition. They deserve, they deserve respect for what they've been able to do because yeah, it's not like they've been handed like this all-star team. Like when the starters are all out there, yes, they are really, really good, really, really talented, but the starters have barely been out there together. If at all this year, I guess they really haven't been because they just got molden back and lost him in the same game. Um, so they never have had their, their full compliment. Uh, obviously Landry's been hurt all year. So they have gotten so much out of these backups and road rotational guys and nobodies that it's just amazing. Um, and, and it's a credit to all of them. The whole defensive staff is phenomenal and the offensive staff. I think some of the offensive staff is good. Um, you know, I, I think Tony Dews deserves credit for what he's gotten out of, uh, you know, Dontrell Hilliard and, and players like that, uh, at, at running back, you know, Deontay Foreman last year. Um, the wide receivers, you know, not maybe not so much. Um, although when he's given, you know, really good talent, he's gotten a lot out of it. Uh, talking about Rob Moore. Um, and then, you know, Keith Carter, what are you going to do with Dennis Daly? Like, Dennis yeah, Daly I, I personally still like Keith Carter and I, I know too. a lot of people are down him. Um, I think I, I want to talk about one thing before we, we get into the Packers game real quick is the Rashad Weaver slander because he's undisciplined. Let's all not forget that he's essentially a rookie. Like, yeah. I mean, this guy is essentially a rookie, and he's generating a ton of pressures. I wasn't I'm aware not, that there was Weaver slander. Yeah, there's a there's some Weaver slander. Maybe it's just one person. I just heard it on the radio. You know, the the old hot take artist uh, Jared Stillman said. Uh, but apparently, him being undisciplined, I have heard a few people say that he's got to be disciplined. He's got to be disciplined. That's that's all true. But Rashad Weaver's playing really well. Uh, I I get that he's not playing perfect, but you got to remember he missed pretty much all of last year. And he's been a better pass rusher than I thought he'd be. I mean, yeah. he, he's been really impactful as a pass rusher, and and obviously that's that is what pays in the NFL as a as a defensive lineman. And so. that's what matters for this team when they're talking about a team that only blitz like fourteen percent of the time. Yeah, I mean, look, they they're really using him as a pass rusher too. Like, I mean, they if you notice, they had Dylan Cole playing outside linebacker in this game because they were without so many of their outside linebackers, and he was really good, but he was playing there on rundowns. Uh, instead of them putting Weaver out there because Cole's a better athlete and is better able to defend that edge and defend in space out there. So, um, you know, they're smart about how they use their guys on defense too. I, I think that's that's another part of why this all works so well. They don't put guys in positions to fail. Um, they kind of use them to their strengths. So it's just, it's a really well-run defense. It's really well-coached. Um, and the guys play their ass off. Like, give them all credit. Uh, Mario Edwards, Demarcus Walker, all these guys, they didn't have to come in and, and play their ass off like this, but they did. They're, they're playing great defense, and they're getting rewarded for it. All right, this Packers team, uh, Thursday night football Packers game, um, the injury list is going to be basically a novel when you include both teams. Like, it's going to be a, like a, a trifold brochure of of just injuries because it's ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. Give me ridiculous all week. It's going to be tough to gauge who's going to play, who's not going to play. I would say that Elijah Molden's not playing. Obviously, Caleb Farley's not playing. Uh, I would say that Jeff Simmons and Bud Dupree are maybes, with Bud Dupree being the lesser of the two. I hope that Amani Hooker and Christian Fulton are both back, but this Packers team is built around the run just as much as the Titans team is. Now, I don't think, because what'd you say, the... Since week three, it's been like 60 yards per game, or is that all season for the Tennessee Titans defense? Uh, since week wow. three, they're averaging 60 yards per game and like 45 to non-quarterbacks. Yeah. They can take out basically the Mahomes stuff. Yeah. 
I, I think that this is going to be, I think, their worst rushing defense performance because I do think A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are very good, but I don't think they're going to kill us and kill, kill that defense and kill those stats. But I do think, you know, if you got 100 yards out of both of them, I wouldn't be surprised. Aaron Rodgers sucks. Do you believe in the Christian Watson hype? Because I do. I think it's just, I think it's a fluke. I think it's a little fluky because uh, here's the thing. I, I think we always knew he was tall and fast, right? Like he just is. Like he's tall and fast. Um, and because of that, he is a threat deep, right? Like that's going to be one thing that I feel like the Titans cannot allow to happen in this game is they just can't let Watson run right by him. Uh, like the Cowboys did multiple times in that game. Um, and it's easier said than done. But I also think, you know, he's not like some dominant receiver. Like he, he's kind of a one trick pony. He is a vertical ball winner. Go, go get it. Uh, you know, kind of one dimensional guy at this point. So to me, if you're one dimensional, the Titans generally are able to figure out a way to stop you. So I'm not that scared of Watson. You know, he, he obviously is a big play waiting to happen. So like you can't, all it takes is one play for him to to make a big impact in the game. But I don't think he's going to take over this game and suddenly be like, you know, unstoppable or, you know, prime Randy Moss or anything like that. Well, when you look at the, the way this defense plays the game, when you take away the run game like they do fairly easily, you make the other team pretty one-dimensional on offense. And then when you yeah. take into account the Packers don't really have playmakers that you really have to worry about. You know, there's no... Even if they had Romeo Dobbs, there's no um, Devontae Adams to worry about. It's just a... But you're basically looking at your own wide receivers that you see, like Alan Lazard, Nick Westbrook-Kine, kind of the same. Robert yeah. Woods and uh Lazard's Lazard's better than eh, he's better, but they're but, kind of the same, right? Not, I mean, yeah. like Aaron Rodgers, I think, makes Alan Lazard good, right? I mean, like, I, I think that they're kind of similar in stature, stature, similar in athletic traits. And then you look at um what was uh the Kentucky quarterback that uh the old guy Randall that, Cobb. Randall Cobb, Robert Woods, kind of the same. You know, Christian Watson, too, Traylon right Burks. Yeah, Christian Watson and Traylon Burks are kind of the same. You know, athletic profiles and stuff like that. It's kind of like you're looking at the same people kind of across the street, and it should be fairly familiar, right? Same kind of offense, you know, kind of uh, looks and stuff that you get, you know, from it. So I feel like I I know that the Titans traditionally go up to the Packers and go up to Lambeau and typically get their teeth kicked in. But I think with an overtime game, an emotional win, I th and a, on a short week, I think this actually benefits the Titans. Yeah, it, it'll be – I mean, traveling on a short week is always tough. Um, so that is, uh, you know, something to look out for. But, you know, the Titans are – you know, it sounds insignificant just because, it, you know, literally it was like a four-hour difference. But the Titans playing in the early window at the Packers playing into overtime in the late window probably does help the Titans a little bit because when you're talking about only having, you know, what, 96 hours to uh, recover for a game, four hours is is kind of a big chunk of that. So um, it's it'll be interesting how this game plays out. I, I think the Packers will be able to run the ball better than – you know, most teams have run the ball mm -hmm. on the Titans, Great. which, but I still don't think they're going to run the ball. Well, I, like, I don't right. think they're going to, you know, shove it down the Titans throat or anything. So, and, and 
you know, it, it'll matter a lot whether like Jeffrey Simmons is able to play and things like that. But um, with Tannehill back, I think the Titans have a good chance to go on the road and win. Like this is a damaged Green Bay team and the They're, Titans well, are better right now. Well, which which head coach is better? Mike oh, Vrabel. Yeah, and right. what I think that matters on the short week, especially when you got Aaron Rodgers cussing out Matt LaFleur uh, as the game winds down in regulation. You don't see anybody doing that to Mike Vrabel, right? I, I think that kind of stuff and the way that Rodgers is in the media is affecting the locker room. I think all that stuff that you see there in Green Bay that's not happening here in Tennessee, that's what matters in a short week, especially like this this week in particular. Um, I, I think the Titans are going to win, and I'm going to say that they win 24 to 17. All right. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go new season high. They're going to score 27 points. You know, oh, I you know, break out, break out the victory cigars, uh, and they're going to win 27 to 10. I think they're going to they're going to blow them out a little bit. Yeah, this the Packers team. Their injuries all happened last week and this week, whereas some of the Titans injuries happened a few weeks before so they could get guys back. Um, I think it's a good sign that Cody Hollister only played nine steps. That can only work out in the Titans' favor as long as that trend continues, that he doesn't see the field more than nine snaps. And, of course, Kyle Phillips coming back, not this week, but next week will also help with that. Um, the... We are, that'll be it for the show today. We are brought to you by Jaspers in Nashville. Remember, go there, tell them football and other efforts sent you, talk to the bartender, talk to the manager, let them know that we sent you two-for-ones on Sunday. Get there, get er, get there early, get some food, get you a good spot at the bar, and get you some uh, get you some Titans game watching. And Mike, you are doing the Mike Hernan show on Thursdays. I think it usually comes out Thursdays at prime time. Mike yeah, Hernan show we- presented by Mike Herndon. We may have to get that out early this week. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's right. I guess I guess you do have to get that out early. But your articles come out on Wednesday at podcarski.com. Always a good read. Always make sure to go over there and read that. Um, this has been Football and Other F-Words. He's Mike Herndon. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. I'm Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F-Words Pod. This has been Football and Other F-Words, and you have just been f A Broadway Sports Media Production.